Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and again, apparently, good night, because Hyven wanted to add that a couple episodes ago, um, even though he claims it was always there, but whatever. It's not the point. Are you discriminating, discriminating against the nighttime <laughs> listeners? Huh? No, I'm discriminating against you, and I can actually say it right, so there's Just that. saying. <laughs> I feel judged. You should. I was judging you. All kinds of judgment come from this direction. All right, nighttime listeners, I'll represent you. Don't worry. I won't let our voices be silenced. Anywho, back to what I was saying. This is episode 17 of Guardians of Lore, recorded on March 30th, 2019. And our topic is the final Maricena episode, Maricena Part Four. And I'm super duper excited because apparently, according to N- and dang it, <laughs> uh, I just said that because I said your name earlier. All right, why don't you start that over then? Yeah, well, they I'll can't know my name. I know. Not completely. I'll just edit it out. Okay. Anyway, yeah, you were just supposed to let us introduce ourselves. I was yeah. getting there. I was okay. getting there. I was about to say that stuff's about to go down. That's later. When we talk about the topic. Let's do fine, this. fine. I'm gonna do it over. Not the whole thing, just not the whole thing. Just the <laughs> episode 17. Jeez. Just start with this is Mrs. <laughs> Ivan. Tonight I'm your host. Just yeah, you already did everything else. Stop talking. Wait, so just like don't do the topic again? No, you already did that. All you need to say is <laughs> this is I'm your host tonight, Mrs. Ivan, because you already did all the introduction. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> now I'm nervous. I was like on a roll. <sighs> FYI, okay, I got it. all this is staying in. No, it was not know my true identity. We'll just bleep out your <laughs> oh, name. Yeah, like I'll bleep that out, but I'll just use one of my weird sound effects like. All right. There well, I gave you one. Who are you? You've been talking for a while. Okay, shut up. I'm going to do it. This is your host, Mrs. Hyven. I am Elemist. And this is Hyven. All right. So, we have podcast news. Um, <clears throat> there was a Twitter poll this week. And it was on the topic of our next reading. Because I know we've been discussing doing some new lore. But as we talk some stuff over, and by we, I do mean Hyven and Elemist. And then Hyven woke me up in the middle of the night after playing some games and tried to explain this to me. Um, yeah, that's how that went down. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we started discussing doing the Awoken of the Reef next because it's the continuation of the Marasena in the Awoken story. story. So we put up a poll on Twitter. Um, we had 16 votes. One of those was Elemist, um, because he wanted to see the poll results because he apparently can't see them. He didn't uh, even vote for the winner, so it was pretty yeah. like landslide. Awkward. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it won with do it all at once. Um, so yeah, so basically we are moving on with the Awoken story. In the Awoken of the Reef next week. And then we will be getting to new lore. Uh, but I emphasize this because. Um, Elemis has sent our like listener 
uh, info a couple of times, and it looks like we average about 100 listeners per episode. So 16 votes isn't exactly a fair representation of everyone listening. Um, But, I mean, we're going to go with it because it's all we got. But I say that to remind everyone to check the Twitter page. Um, You know, we put it up. It was a five-day poll. We retweeted it halfway through because I do understand that sometimes it kind of gets a little bit low on your feed if it's not retweeted. Um, But definitely go follow us on Twitter because we want to make sure your guys' opinions are heard. And this is probably something we're going to continue doing. Um, as we as we move on, if we have any doubts as to what we're going to do next for story. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that Twitter is at Guardians underscore lore. Um, and although you can't vote at the email, you can send opinions, thoughts, um, and everything else at the email, which is Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You I'm could vote at the email. Tell us your answer. Th- I mean, that's true, but... Yeah. Would and then we could just tally it, it up on Twitter. Well, if we say the week before, Twitter. would you That's prefer? True. That's true. They could just send their answer and we could add it up just in case someone doesn't have Twitter. That is accurate. Um, also, just stop by. Say hi to Elemist. I love my Twitter response, you guys. Um, everyone's amazing. Uh, we got a really awesome uh, person reaching out to us this past week. And um, yeah, so it's been great. And Elmas doesn't get any of that. Like, he gets excited about the Twitter response because I screenshot everything and send it to him and Hyven. But let let him smile at his phone from an email, guys. I'm sure he would love that. So somebody just say hi. Oh, <laughs> good. It's all good. <laughs> and um, all as always... Yeah, right. And then, as always, um, you can review us on Apple Podcast or Google Play, whichever is your preferred platform. Um, and that's it for podcast news, but guys, we actually had some, and that's awesome. Um, stuff you may have missed in Destiny this week. We had Iron Banner. Um, did we talk about it last week, or was I listening or reading something else about how there were different, like, things you could do to change your level and da-da-da? Yeah, that- we, we talked about that. I was listening to us? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's you. So- yeah, so not sure how many of you guys are participating in that or how many of you guys are utilizing those options, but I'm going to turn It'll it over. It'll be over by the time you are listening to this. Yes, so yeah. I'm going to turn it over to Hyman and Elmas to see if they have any other thoughts on Iron Banner and for them to go ahead and take the next bullet point as well since they're a little more well-versed in all of it. Uh, so I've, I've been running Iron Banner with the, uh, the Iron Burden, and it's awful. How so? Well, so the way that 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 the burden works, it knocks a hundred uh, power levels off of your character. So if you're at seven hundred, you are now six hundred. And an iron banner and, power level matters, so they do like twice as much damage to you. Yep, and it takes a couple extra shots in order to actually kill somebody, which, if they're not using the burden that means that they have a few extra shots less to kill you. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm just leaving it there. Um, and I was so there you did under... not enjoy this little... Because I thought <laughs> there was benefit to that, right? No, well, not so... really. They claim, but it's... It... <laughs> you win a gun, well, it's not really that great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's... The triumph. Well, and like, 
I'm a completionist, so I'm going for the triumph. No <laughs> but, like, there's going to be random rolls with the weapon that you unlock from it. It's just not implemented in the game yet. Like, they're trying to figure out why it's not working. So I personally it, prefer Aaron Tell. Over, but yeah, you can get a you can get a wise and rebuke from doing it. Um, I personally am too low anyway, so I was just kidding, killed at normal level. So yeah, Iron Banner didn't work so great for me. <laughs> but I didn't play too much of it. I was also out of town half the weekend, so I didn't get as much. I might get a little bit on tomorrow. Oh, and see, I still had so many tokens left over from last season that I got full sets on every character. Did have like 90-something. Yeah. I, I didn't even have to actually These play a game. Orders. Well, if there's nothing... Like, if I get all the loot that I need, or all the loot that I want, but I still want to keep playing, I mean, do you waste the tokens just so that you don't have them, or do you just hoard them? I get what you're saying, but I don't tend to have this problem when I do participate in certain things. <laughs> you haven't played tokens. enough. I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm trying to get. Let me click on this. Yep. So. Iron Banner is just a special event where your power level matters. You know, I normally tell you it doesn't in Crucible, but Iron Banner, it does. Yeah, I... And they actually have oh. new armor and little... Do they have new weapon? I don't remember. There's at least new armor uh, this no. season, finally. Everything's... There's new armor. Sometimes, yeah. Iron Banner can be very and, the same thing a lot, but not this time. And the Titan armor looks amazing. You're not biased <laughs> or anything. Oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the for next those bullet who don't point know, that I, I mean the Titan. Yeah. Um. So for our next bullet point that I'm still gonna let you guys kind of talk on and touch on, um, is again we're not gonna go too deep into it because we are gonna do an episode on it. The invitation of the nine. Week three, um, any thoughts that we can touch on briefly here? I haven't done it. Well, there's his. <laughs> or can we uh, save it was, that? It was, it was interesting. Um, I'm going to be interested to see where the invitations go after this. Um, yeah. It's funny because I, I was talking to a few clan mates and they're just going on patrol, grinding it out. And I'm sitting there going... No, just go run a couple strikes. Your teammates yeah, help quick. you get the, the kills. Yeah, you do the strike like twice if it has the two types of enemies that are usually in there and you're like, done. Well, yeah. and, and this one included Fallen. So this week it was Cabal, Vex, and Fallen. Okay. And you had to do the Inverted Spire. So you get two so of them, no problem. I ran Inverted Spire twice on my Hunter, got both the Cabal and Vex done, and then I was like, you know what? Exodus Crash. <laughs> yeah, that's like strictly falling. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Strikes are the fastest way, I think, because you're paired up with teammates to help you just, you know, mow down all the enemies and get those things quick. Because I don't know what the drop chance is, but they're kind of basically they're random consumables, and you have to take out a couple enemies to get it done. So it's definitely helpful with a fire team to finish quick. Well, and even then, I for me, I think it's more of like you're doing something else and not focusing on getting the kills. So it goes by quicker. Yeah. Objectives will always make things more enjoyable. Yeah. But that's kind of it. We won't go really into the story of the Invitation of the Nine yet. I will be doing mine by the time you hear this, but... 
Look forward to our episode when it's all done. <laughs> so, brief intro into the topic. Like I said, this is our last part, part four. Um, it. I just totally blanked on my sentence there. That was weird. Okay. Pushing right through. We don't need to edit this. Um, <laughs> we're doing the Mara Senna story. Um, it is the origin story of the Awoken. Um, again, we've touched on it is from Mara's point of view. So um, we always try to look at that as uh, we look at how it may be biased through that. Um, and for the previous entries, uh, if for whatever reason you are only listening for the Mara Senna um, and you accidentally clicked on this one first, go back to episode 14. It's 14, 15, and 16. Um, I always say listen to us in order, but I am starting to learn that some people are just listening for specific topics, or at least that's um, what it looks like, or maybe starting at a specific topic and going back. So I, I'm not going to be as judgmental as I normally am. But yeah, I do but think you should Oliver... still listen to multi-parters in order. Yes, no, exactly. But um, I'm going to have to listen to number saying, one. Maybe... But... Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, although I do still highly suggest listening episode one and on, um, I think all of our episodes are worth listening to, even episode one, you guys. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's going to take us into our first reading. And uh, that's going to be Elemist. Yep. Impotent four. Next, the fallen paladin and the hunter chose long guns and went out into the monsoon jungle to stalk each other. Sure, Edo selected a tiger spite in 11 by 90 millimeter with five round flock guidance and an inertial sump. Aldrin chose a silent needle carbine with a cone snail payload for six weeks. They stalked each other as the political situation grew more dire. He was the better hunter, stealthier, in motion, and at ease in the wilderness. But Shereda was the better soldier. She had no respect for the systems of the jungle, and she knew how to use that to her advantage. She drove the animals into a frenzy with violence and habitat disruption. Parrots and crows warned each other of Aldrin's stealthy hides, and jealous predators forced him off his carefully scouted trails. Sure, Edo caught him with his back against a rift lake and shot him as he tried to cross the lake bed. The wound was not mortal, for the water ruined the terminal ballistics, but she had won the match. Your life is at stake, Mara warned her brother. Lose this final match, and you will. Am I simple? He snarled at her. The wound pained him terribly, but he would not risk more than a little analgesic. Leave me my work, sister, or you leave me nothing at all. Now they would meet in air, superiority fighters, over the Andaleas. Charges under their seats would detonate if either of them left the engagement area. Because of the small combat zone, Jur Edo chose a nimble ermine tactical fighter and a payload of all-respect heat-seeking missiles. Where will we receive these aircraft? Aldrin demanded. How can I trust the equipment? Jur Edo 
told him that one of the Jensen scribes would provide the aircraft and requested weapons from her personal deterrent uh, stockpile. Very well, Aldrin sniffed. And we will have access to all the weapons these airframes can equip? Of course, sure said. Those we cannot obtain can be replaced by training simulators. She was certain Aldrin's wound would cripple him. Then I will fly a dart, Aldrin said. The ancient interceptor had awful fire control, dismal maneuverability, and primitive weapons. A dart? Schurz jeered. Will you fly with its original weapons too? You think you can beat me with rockets and a gun? I do, Aldrin purred. You accept those terms? She did. The two duelists took to the skies on a bright winter morning. After a fuel check, a telemetry squawk, and a terrain snapshot, they turned in toward each other from a hundred kilometers apart. Sure, Edo descended for the terrain, knowing Aldrin's radar could barely separate her from the clutter. Aldrin came straight on. At 80 kilometers of separation, Aldrin called across the radio. Fox 3, kill engagement over. Schurz sneered at the bluff and prepared to climb into a snap attack when the killed alert flashed on her ermine training panel. She had forgotten that the darts intercept loadout when it had last served 70 years ago included an unguided air-to-air nuclear rocket. Aldrin had simulation killed her, and everything within several clicks. On the tarmac, Sure Edo threw off her helmet and parachute and knelt before Marasov. My lady, she said, as I have fought your brother to a tie, I leave my fate in your hands. Be more kind to me than you were to my lady, the diaserm. Rise, Shuredo, said Mara. Let us take the stars together. All right. Things got pretty intense. Six weeks in the forest stalking each other. Uh, right? And I like, of course, their different tactics. It was just like their knife fighting. Aldrin was, like, skilled, and she was just brute force. Same thing. He's trying to, like, stalk her and track her. And Shere is just straight shooting up woods scaring animals so much that no matter what aldrin does they see him coming and they just freak out and like gives away his position so it's a smart tactic and she ends up winning she basically pins him down where he can't run and she gives him a non-life threatening blow that's a pretty simple win but then aldrin's cunning finally gets him that victory in that last one which is pretty awesome i just love basically they were like any weapon, any ship. And he's like, okay, I'll take that old crappy one. And she's like, yeah, so you're going to lose. Right. Not remembering that it had a nuke on it. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, how do you forget that there's a nuke on it, you know? Right? Yeah, that doesn't seem like something you'd forget about. Um, I definitely find it interesting, though, when we were talking about her tactics in the jungle, because it is very different from Alder, not just his hunting style, but the way we know he treats the animals, him and Mara both. 
um, they have a deep respect for them. So um, I thought that was kind of a little dirty there. Um, and then six weeks. They stalked each other for six weeks. Like <clears throat> That's discipline. This fight's intense. <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody wanted to. I, my thinking is like Aldrin's trying to hide and be stealthy and she's just running around looking for him. Right, basically just causing like mass chaos until the people like give him up and like he's over here behind the bushes. <laughs> no, yeah. it's like that. It's like that one guardian in Crucible that's just crouched with a sniper in the back of the map. Hey, sometimes that's the only way we know how to fight. Or crouched with a shotgun around <laughs> the corner. Or crouched with whatever hallway. random weapon they have set up because they don't really know what they're doing. That may or may not be me, but whatever. Yeah, but um, snipe in the back. Exactly. I was about to ask that. That's from experience, huh? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe just a bit. Um, but then I think it's important for us to note the conversation he had with Mara. I mean, we know Aldrin is basically just like live and die by Mara, as we can see from this fight. I almost like kind of was shocked when I saw the part of him being like, "Am I simple?" Like. For him to give her any sass back, I was just like, oh, dang. Oh, dang. Well, someone's he, someone's lost yeah. a lot of blood. <laughs> right. And I acknowledge I like that. It basically acknowledges that, yes, he'll do anything for her. But he was like, you don't take my work. If you take that, I have nothing. He's yeah. like, I do anything for you. But how it's done, you leave that to me. Like, let's let's not. I yeah. have given you results this far. Let's not question me. And she says something stupid. Hey, if you if you if you die this next round, will you oh will you die? Right, like it, yeah. Um, also, for those of you who don't know, the analgesic is a um, basically a pain pill. Killer. Yeah, it's painkiller. So, um, just for it that. Thinking we, I would say it was a good call. <laughs> he didn't dim his mind at all. He yeah, exactly. Have, might have been in pain. But my thinking is you take you don't take a lot of medicine because it doesn't you know cloud your. Yeah. Who knows what analgesic he was getting shot? So it's probably like imagine if you're on like morphine or fentanyl or something like that and you can't really focus. Yeah, I mean honestly, when you Google it, it's it's pretty much um, referred to as just your basic acetaminophen and ibuprofen, which would be you know Tylenol and Advil. So it was just something to cut the pain a hair. I mean, it probably really wasn't. Granted, the shot was not life-threatening, but that doesn't mean it didn't hurt. Um, so I think it's important to note that, yeah, he was very particular about not wanting to cloud his judgment. And as we can see, it, it works out for him because he remembers of this old crap ship with nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and like, um, I should have realized it was analgesic because of a scrub's Joke yes, that the, that's exactly what I thought it was. Analgesic, not he was like, analgesic. the pills go in your mouth. The pills go in your mouth, <laughs> sir. Yes, that's exactly what I thought of. I like anal. see the episode with Turk. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, How's it pronounced yeah. properly? Yeah, that was hysterical. What's the proper pronunciation um, then? Give it to the audience one more time. Analgesic, not analgesic. analgesic. You just don't want to add the emphasis on the anal. Well, the joke was that the dude was putting the pills in his butt because he was reading it wrong. So, and that's why it wasn't helping. (laughs) That's why Aldrin didn't only wanted the basics. He wasn't trying to get crazy with it. Yeah. Um, 
but um then um I thought it interesting that it says that their seats are basically set up with charges so if they went out of this like particular radius like no cheating yeah so that I thought was I don't know I just thought that was interesting something I picked up on um and then they call it her deterrence her personal deterrent stockpile Am I to understand from this that this is just, I have a lot of weapons, don't F with me? Yeah, she was a paladin. She would have been <laughs> part of the highest military ranking, basically. I just, I kind of chuckled at that. Um, that just, I was like, oh, oh, dang. Yeah, Aldrin was like, okay, got whatever you want. And then you also noticed that anything that, that's why he asked, what do you have? He wanted to know if she had that nuke. And then she said, whatever we don't have, you can simulate. So basically, he simulation killed her. Um, also, he, yeah, because yeah. he wasn't going to drop a nuke on the whole place. But because he was using such an old ship, she probably didn't have everything. He was like, yes, we can just, I can sim kill you. Just kind of, yeah. and technically, he kind of cheated. Technically, I feel like kind of lost because he would have blown up too. So that would have been another tie. But. It it depends on it the was actual radius. She understood that she was outsmarted. Well, it said that they were... That's true. What at what do you say? At 50 kilometers out? No, 80. Yeah, at 80 kilometers of separation. So, yeah. And they specify I mean, it. So it could be that that specification is particularly important to show that he would not have died. Um, but also, we, we see that while they both might have very different tactics, um, sure, Ito is very... Um, I think honorable. Honorable, yeah. And so she understands this. <clears throat> this was my loss. Um, and she also understands a tie is a loss. She did not win. She acknowledges. I guess it could have been up. She decides that. Yeah, I like how she puts it in Mara's hands. I think that. Yeah. Shows her well, character, I mean, she could have. You know, Mara... Exactly. She yeah, could have pouted and been like sudden death. Yeah. But I think she understands. I mean, tie technically isn't a win. What is it? And, isn't there a game? What am I thinking of? Well, the agreement wasn't that it was just that there would have been a winner. Yeah. She kind of just was honorable in the fact that she didn't like push the subject. She understood she had lost. Yeah, exactly. And definitely interested to see what a let's take to the stars together uh, ends up looking the thing like. I yeah. It just—it's funny to me. It sounds like let's go have like a girls powwow, but like that's not what's happening. Not let's take two of the right. stars together. Let's take the stars together. Oh, I did not see that. So did she just be like, join me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. I did not pick up on that. I read to the stars. Um, yeah, not let's go on a romantic vacation. No, she was not like, romantic. No. I thought like let me take you away privately and like discuss uh, things no, um no. <clears throat> so no it it, it was literally she she was palpatine and you know sure was vader <laughs> why are yeah. you making them the evil characters oh well because of i don't know okay well we'll move on I'm not <laughs> read into that too much <laughs> yeah i didn't read into that too much <laughs> The the one thing I wanted to note was like, Sure's ship, like we get a replica of it in game. 
Uh, it's the Ermine Tech 717. It's the Last Wish raid ship. Oh, is it? That's the ship from the last week. Uh, I wonder if the I have The one that you that. need the glittering key. Yeah. I got something from that. I don't remember what. I might have got the ghost. <clears throat> All I know is, like, I got the glittering key in order to, to get that ship. But the chest <sighs> for it is right after Morgith. And I had gotten the glittering key the week before um, Morgith broke. Oh, yeah, when you couldn't kill him. He basically wiped it as soon as it hit, like, 50%. Yeah. Oh, that was annoying. As soon as it got to 50%, it crashed your Xbox. That sucks. Yeah. All right. I shall read Infinite 5. The subsonic roar of the solid rocket boosters crosses the threshold from noise into motion. To hear it is to feel it. And to feel it is to remember that you are a sack of fluids and gels much more than you are a solid entity. Membranes and gradients, solutions and films. A body is a mingled thing. Mara thinks of this as she watches the launch vehicle, discarded boosters, and climb away through the clouds. Awoken could have been angels. Instead, they are flesh. That's that. Queen Nuya Pin rises from her portable throne, unfolding two heads taller than Mara. Choose your replacement. My work is done, and I will stomach no more. Mara smiles at her. Is a queen's work ever done? Oh, don't insult me, Queen Pin clucks. She brushes wind-blown pollen from her trousers. Today's launches have blasted the spring trees with hot wind. You used me to do your work, politically and scientifically. You used me to bundle up the scribes into a neat little scroll for your disposal. I went along with it for the sake of the monarchy, Mara, not because I'm a fool. I don't know what you want or why you're so bent on keeping the Awoken uneasy and dissatisfied. I don't know how you manipulate the acclamations. When I abdicate, I am going to find Alice Lee, wherever she's gone, and ask her all my questions about you, I'm very interested to know the answers. You've been a wonderful queen, Mara says. No one will ever replace you. Although she is thinking of Dev Natel, who was never one of the scribes and whose coronation would make a wonderful rebuke to the scribes' remaining ambitions. Shira Ito meets her by the ship. We'll need a new queen, Mara tells her, leaping up the side of the ramp. Word on the satellite? Still burning for the Lagrange point. What have you done to Nuya? Given her too much perspective, I'm afraid. Just as this observatory satellite should help the Awoken see things from Mara's point of view. She smiles as she helps her bodyguard up the ramp. Sure, indulgently pretending that she needs Mara's hand. Aldrin should be on the ground in Carmarina by now. We'll have a go-ahead on that interferometer buoy when, it's, when he's done. There are new stars in the sky. Mara put them there. Huge, disrupted array telescopes orbit the distributary's cool sun. Gravity wave sensors and cold primordial neutrino detectors spit, spider the crust. Out of shell corporations and seed investments, she has opened her world as an enormous eye and focused it heavenward. Sure, Ito was her smiling public avatar these past decades. 
by her brother, handled enforcement. The days of covert speed chess in the Queen's Court are over. Shir Ito's open endorsement made Mara the face of the Ecclesium and armed Mara with blackmail over all the Gentum scribes still in power. Yet, she has never been so lonely or so worried for the future. Mother has told her that she, Mara, uses her power over Aldrin too freely, that she must learn to stop, or her mother will no longer be her friend. Mara? Shir says, catching some flickering expression. Knowing Mara well, she immediately changes tack away from comfort. What do you think we'll find with the satellite? Proof that it's time for us to go, Mara says. Proof of what I've known since the beginning. Shir frowns in thought. Doesn't remember much from before her awakening. Few of the 891 do, but enough to trouble her. Time for us to go. The ship's turbines keen up to speed and then settle into whisper-quiet cruise. Shir reaches to strap herself in across from Ara. Impulsively, hard-faced, the nine she needs, which she is asking for, Mara scoots aside to make room on her bench. Sure raises an eyebrow at her. Don't say anything, Mara warns her. Not a word. And so they pass the flight in silence, but not alone. So, as we can see, it looks like some time passes during the card, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, yeah, what do you mean? The fact that it says several decades have passed since yeah. before? Yeah. Yeah. But, it, like, it doesn't look like too much has passed, passed at the beginning of the card, but it's, like, during the card it does. Um, oh, I think we... this is all in the same period of time. I think she finishes up talking to New Yapin. She goes out to Shir and says, we need a new queen. And Shir's like, what did you do? Does that make <laughs> yeah. sense? Um, yeah, but, no, I also, I just really appreciate... It's so weird. Like, this relationship that developed with Sure. Like, they seem like genuine friends. Well, I mean, decades passed, so I'm sure she probably doesn't hold resentment. And honestly, it didn't seem like she ever held resentment. She saw, saw, sure, I was like, sure saw, saw, sure as probably a powerful possible ally in that she was just had a lot of vengeance. But it's also seeing how sure um could cares about mara as well i mean we've come a long way from her like anger and vengeance like bleeding out of her like that one card said yeah so i find that pretty impressive um a couple of things at the beginning that just kind of made me giggle is when they refer to here's the human life as sack of fluid and gel well, yeah, you know it's that when you're on like a accurate. roller coaster or hitting some G's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then additionally, the queen has a portable throne. Yeah, that was pretty intense. I, looked, <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. Um, that was, yeah, that was cool. And then I like how the queen, after she says she abdicates, she's going to go find Elise Lee. And they're just going to, like, basically talk crap about Mara and how she much like- she, like, effed with them. <laughs> Well, I love how she, right. like... Elise Lee's the only one who gets it. She's the only other person who's been in her position and understands. Well, because all the queens are just like, oh my gosh, this woman is crazy. How has everyone done this? She's like, I gotta go to the source. Who, like, left her 
<laughs> Queen Lee is the one who left her around, so like I need some yeah. answers. And but then, like, yeah, she caught on. She was like, you yeah. basically just used me to launch all these satellites, all this scientific research they were doing. You used me to throw the scribes out because they were also doing all that research. And now you own all these satellites and all this stuff. And now you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and I love how yeah, also it's like free. Mara's um, basically given up the whole ruling from secrecy, uh, for secrecy. Yeah. She's not queen, so, yeah. but she acknowledged being the head of the ecclesiasts. Because no, 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 she was like, she you know what? Sure, sure as basically, a bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. It she, literally yeah. refers to her as a bodyguard. And we know from last week's episode that sure, like, had like she's not someone to be messed with. Not just from this fight that we see with Aldrin, but additionally, you know, that crazy bow that she had that required all of that like insane strength and all of this other stuff. I mean, like uh, I don't know. I, I just like the two of them together seem like a pretty unstoppable force to me. So well, right? it's a pretty intense was, pairing. And she was the bodyguard for um, the diacerum. So, I mean, her basically giving her backing to Mara. I mean, all, if they're, what, what are the followers going to do? They're going to be like, oh, yeah. Mara's our new ruler. Yeah, exactly. And now uh, she's got a whole bunch yeah. of followers who also think that they should leave the system, that they have this goal. So we can kind of see will... where is getting what she wanted. So when you said that the satellites, is that what it is referring to when it says there are new stars and Mara put them there? Are those the satellites? Okay, that makes more sense now because that's my only question mark in my notes. But that makes a lot more sense. Um, and then two other things I wrote down. Um, before I get into this one, I'm not going to do them in chronological order of the card. Uh, it notes that Sure is a part of the 891, which I did not realize originally. Right. Um, and I feel like that's significant-ish. I feel like any of the 891 is <clears throat> kind of a big deal because they're the only ones who could potentially have memories of the past. Yeah, I agree. Um, which we see Sure does not. Um, and then the um, other uh, thing... Yeah. Yeah, the other thing. That's what we had talked about the other day. We figured that as they came through later and later, they probably had less memory. And that's why Mara and Alice Lee had the most. Yeah. So we kind of see that kind of confirmed. Everyone else doesn't really know much. Yeah. Well, and then Uh, even more than that, like at this point, a ton of decades have gone by. Yeah, it's true. How long is that memory going to last? Hundreds of years. probably gone by from the time where they actually enter, you know? Um, the amount of, like, this world that they've explored, the amount of things that they've created and done. Um, yeah. You know, I can How barely remember of... what I had. If I didn't have Cheerios every day for breakfast, I would probably not remember what I had for breakfast a week ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I am. Lunch is probably a better thing to say for that one. But, you know, the saying is breakfast. <laughs> but uh, my only other note is when... Her mom's basically like, stop using your brother or we're not friends anymore, which which is impactful. But I find it funny. Yeah. Okay. First of all, her mom is a great ally to have on her side. Um, So her saying that is a big deal. But the way you read that sentence, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like as big of a threat as, as it is. Yeah. Like, her mother's well, I'm not going to play with you anymore. But, like, it actually is like, I've done a lot of good for you. You better watch it. But also, you got to acknowledge that she always tells her daughter that 
you know, if I can't protect, I can't protect you like a daughter would. She basically acknowledges that she would just be her friend. So she's Mara's already basically put the relationship with her mother as kind of like as more of a friend than a mother figure. But she's still in all respects kind of a young adult. She was she's nineteen technically. Hundreds of years have passed by, but she still viewed her mother probably very closely. Um, she went on this trip with her brother and her mother, like that was her only family. So I'm sure her mother is her mother's relationship is very, very important to her. And basically her mother said that she would cut all ties off with her if she kept using Aldrin so freely. I think she just yeah. got sick of it. Like I said, it's there's a lot more to unpack in that sentence, but when you read it as just that I'm not gonna be friends with you anymore, it sounds like almost silly. It it sounds like something that elementary school kids would say yeah exactly exactly so i think it's important to unpack it i mean i think Ivan just did a great job with that um but i just i kind of chuckled almost at first and it's a very small little line in the entire card you know um but it's got a lot of impact when you stop mm -hmm. and realize it a lot of impact and then you know i mean we see that mara seems to be affected by it uh it shows that sure is trying to comfort her um, but then realizes the proper tactic in comforting her is to talk about anything other than Mara. Um, but, I mean, it's important because it does. It, it shows us we see that Mara seems to definitely be affected by it, which I think is kind of a big deal because Mara is not... I don't want to say she's not affected by Mose, but I don't think she necessarily shows... Emotion. I mean, clearly there was enough emotion in what was going on on her face or her her body language or whatever that sure was able to pick up on it. And that's still pretty big for Mara because she doesn't kind of. <clears throat> again, I don't even want to say yeah, open she doesn't up show like her that. feelings. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's not, she doesn't wear her heart on her sleeve yeah. at all. So, I mean, we can see how much that, that one sentence really affected her. And, you know, she's basically having these thoughts next to her, basically her closest ally you know, her personal bodyguard. So, you know, it makes sense that this was the time where she's thinking. And we see that she's basically launched all of this satellite inf stuff into the air. They're the Ecclesiasts, so we know that their goal is to eventually leave. So she's looking into the future of a possibility of leaving with a bunch of people and thinking, you know, I got a lot on my mind. My mother's telling me to be careful. I might lose her. You know, she's probably thinking how many, she, I mean, I think she's just really thinking that she's going to lose a lot of people. And she goes as far as basically without saying anything, kind of moves over so that uh, Shira can sit next to her instead of across, but doesn't even want to acknowledge that. So we, I think you yeah. can see that she really wants, she needs, she needs someone right now because she sees what's going to lie ahead in her future and knows that it could get crazy. Yeah, what is the saying? No man is truly an island. You know, she's she's worked so hard to rely on herself. She's used others, she's manipulated others, but she solely relies on herself, or so she likes to think, um, I, I think. I mean, being on the hall, being in the mountains, being valleys away, she likes to think of herself as an island. But I think her mom saying this kind of almost after centuries brought her back to reality and made her realize that no it's like you said uh hyven you know she 
she only has these two people as her family. These are who came on this ship with her. Uh, so her mom saying that was really a big deal. And then additionally, having this um, this ally, sure, is also a big deal. The fact that she's been able to develop this additional person. Um, <clears throat> because I really do think Mara for so long thought she was an island. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And got a lot on her mind. And she's been alone this whole time. She looks for a little bit of comfort from shore, which also shows how the relationship has progressed a lot. Yeah, I think from... that's just, that's honestly the craziest thing to me. I mean, yeah. we, again, that one card literally said something about, like, her heart, like, became unseamed and, like, the don't you blood always of say, the vengeance. Don't you always say you make the best friends from people like you hate? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's how I made friends. But <laughs> <laughs> just saying, it happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. But for reals, y'all, my best friend, I used to hate her with a passion. And now she's coming to visit tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. You ready to see what happens with all this planning that's now? Oh, and also, I love that. The other thing I just wanted to comment on, when um, Nuya Penn tells her she needs a new queen, she's like, nobody could ever replace you. And then she was in her head. Dev Natel would be good. Yeah. Right. That would she be perfect. Like, it would be, that would be a slap to the... Right. And she's like, that would be a smack to the scribes right in the face. Because, <laughs> like, Mara oh would be the best survivor player ever. <laughs> she'd be great. She'd be great. She'd be good on any <laughs> like, type of when, As we read this, all I can think about is like, you know, all the, all the little like... poker player. That too. But you know what I'm saying? Like all the social game and the manipulation of Survivor. Like yeah. that's all I can think of when we read some of this with her. New you pin. You've been voted out of the distributary. Exactly. Right. Please take your things and leave. I can. All right. <laughs> the tribe. Let's see what happens. Yeah. All right. Our next card is Catabasis. Everyone good with that? Yeah. Catabasis. All right, Elmas isn't good with that. Hyven was. I say Catabasis. Huh. It it's good, however you say it. Healer's choice. Ooh, yeah. healer's choice. All right, we're gonna go with Catabasis, and I'm not pausing because I'm not editing that. I enjoyed that. We're gonna leave that in for all of you. <laughs> Happy to be on. All right. Um, <clears throat> Mara looks into the camera and lets the fire in her eyes speak. They're waiting on her. The distributaries, millions. Her awoken people. She has stoked their curiosity with 30 years of painstaking analysis. When they look up at the night sky, they see the stars of her observatories among the crowded bands of habitats, the spindly orbital factories, towering elevator counterweights, the burning rods of matter streams. Let me tell you of our world, she says. There are the facts of tectonics and atmosphere, of water and climate, the parameters of the sun that feeds them. No infants died last year. No child went unfed. No youth came of age illiterate. No one suffered illness who might have been treated. We have long surpassed the UTEC gathered from the ship's fire. Yet we have grown carefully and cleanly. We have eluded pollution, eradicated plague, and chosen peace. No Maltech weapon has been discharged in centuries. 
Our automatic weapons were disabled before they could ever be used. We are our own triumph. She has elected not to use graphics or theater. She would rather they remember her face. You know yourselves, she says. Let me tell you of your cosmos. We live in a spatially infinite isotropic universe 12.1 billion years old. Its metallicity is ideal for life and for the spread of technological civilizations. In time, the distance between all points in the universe will contract to zero, and the cosmos will collapse into a singularity to be reborn in fire. There will be no end to eternity here. She pauses. She waits. The whole world is out there, begging for the answer to the question. Our world is a gift, and we must refuse it. They are awoken. They love secrets. They will wait for her to explain. We have detected a pattern that was imprinted into our universe by its ancestor. A fingerprint to the initial conditions into which existence was born. From this information, we have confirmed the most primordial of awoken myths. Our universe is a subset of another. We live within a singularity, a knot in space-time that orbits a star in another world. Conventional relativity would suggest that time outside an event horizon passes quickly compared to a clock within. But our universe has a peculiar relationship with its mother. Thousands of years have passed for us on the distributary. Outside, centuries at most. We are a swift eddy in a slow river. These ideas may not surprise you after centuries of theorizing and philosophy. But we have decrypted new data from the cosmic microwave and neutrino background signals. We have discovered voices, the voices of distress calls. They tell a story of bravery, of war, and of desperate loss. We were not always immortal. We did not earn this utopia by covenant with any cosmic power or by attaining an enlightened moral condition. We are refugees. We fled from an apocalyptic clash between our ancestors' civilization and an invading power. She lowers her eyes. The signals we have retrieved tell us that our ancestors were on the edge of defeat, perhaps extinction. It is time that we accept our debt. The distributary is a refuge, not a birthright. A base to rebuild our strength, not a garden to tend. I ask you, Awoken, to join me in the hardest and most worthy task a people has ever faced. We must leave our heaven, return to the world of our ancestors, and take up the works they abandoned. If some of them survive, we must offer aid. If they have enemies, we must share our strength. We must go back to the war we fled and face 
our enemies there. She lets them dangle a moment before she drives it home. We have also determined that our birthright, our immortality, is tied to the fundamental traits of this universe. Once we leave, we will begin to age again. In time, we will all die. Will you join me awoken? Will you answer my call? All I offer you is hardship and death. All I ask is everything you can offer. But you will see an older starlight. You will walk in a deeper dark than this world has ever known. Wow, I'm inspired. Hey, she was <laughs> honest. No, I think that was... Yeah, that well, was like I a freaking yeah. rally call of like legit honesty. Right? I was like loving reading that. I was like, I, I want to... Like, I hope I gave that the right intensity and passion. Like, Fine. because it was pretty baller. Oh, yeah. You, you... Like I said, I said it as a joke, but like I actually <laughs> meant... I, yeah. I felt inspired. <laughs> Yeah, that speech was amazing. You know, I mean, last week I was talking about how I was really starting to, like, come to respect Mara. It really just came down to why she was making the decisions she was making. Even if I still don't fully understand that, I think there is just a certain level of respect coming about. Even if maybe she's doing it for selfish gain or, or whatever. Well, it, I think she yeah. truly cares about her people. And I would say that you saw all her cunning, but now that she's actually getting to what she was, her goal was, She's being very truthful in that regard. So it wasn't that she is always trying to just manipulate people. She was yeah. manipulating to get to an end goal. And now that she sees that in sight, she knows that she needs to motivate the people. But she can't lie to them because what happens when they get to the other side? Well, they're going to they revolt. Nobody would want Nobody to would go yeah. towards their exactly. cause. So she yeah. paints the picture of a world where they were able to rebuild and to be basically given this gift. But now, basically, like, she's look, saying that they need to be the warriors, here. the heroes, who go back to the world that birthed them and fight, basically. Yeah. I mean, help. I love so the way she's she looking does it. for she really says, powerful, you know, motivated individuals. We've had more time than they have. We've kind of kicked butt in this society. We're doing amazing. But this gift needs to go back to the humanity we came from, which, again, I think shows such an interesting difference in the Mara we know now. Of yeah, the way this, she wants to help humanity. And this right here is probably one of the most confusing aspects of Mara. In these books, we know what her goal is. She seems very set on it. Mara, we know. She doesn't seem to be doing that. And to be honest, nobody really knows. Maybe some people have some speculations. But to my knowledge, nobody knows what happened to her to change that goal. Or once again, has she always had the same goal in mind? And we just once again don't see her actions so yeah it, it, they don't quite line up but some something has to be linked between the Mara from here and the Mara we know now yeah I just I love this I mean it was such a such a rally cry <laughs> and I like that she and I like that they mentioned that you know, she was like you know uh, normal singularity time passes quicker on the outside I just like that little nod because it's true yeah because it is she, true like, in here it she but we also know that they have remember this isn't a black hole, guys. This is the omni hole, a white black hole combo. <laughs> so things are different. And then also, like, she basically paints there this. That's just so great. She was like, Look at this beautiful world. 
it's so amazing. We've experienced all this peace. Now we have signs to prove what we always thought. There are people dying. There's a war being fought outside. We need to go back and help them. And I, I just really like that. Oh, and also we saw that they say there's millions of them now and that thousands of years have passed. I hadn't noticed yeah. that before, but that's what it seems to. She talks about thousands have passed for them, only hundreds outside. So I would assume that they've been in there for, for thousands of years. And I also assume that, I guess, because this place, as it sounds like, eventually it would just collapse and rebirth again. It, it just never dies. It's like a phoenix. <laughs> kind of what it sounded yeah. like to me. I figured that me, um... because they're kind of, I was just going to say that because they're kind of part of this universe, as long as they're in this universe, they basically can never die. They're always reborn continually in the same aspect. Um, because I guess they basically, you know, as we know, the universe was created basically from an individual right so like there there's such a strong link between the living organisms in this universe and this universe that that's what makes them in, immortal that the fact that the cosmos with this section can never die same way they can never die but i like the link once they leave this section that they're linked to they <laughs> wouldn't live forever and so i like how they were able to like think about that they that was really kind of cool they were she was able to deduce that through their instruments this world would never die, so we would assume that we would never die. However, we went to a different universe, that probably wouldn't still be the case. Yeah, I mean, she paints it perfectly. She starts with, like, this is the utopia we have now. But this is the facts we found out. And this is the, basically, horrid universe we need to go back to. She contrasts it so well with that middle slice really just showing the facts and the science behind it um, <clears throat> to just give them all the information. She truly wants them making an educated decision because she understands how big this decision truly is. I mean, and she's calling for the adventure. Like, We're all in time. We will all die. She's not Her calling senses for the faint are of heart. Very... Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say, I would say she's not calling for the faint of heart. She's calling for no. warriors and adventurers. She said, she basically tells them all yeah. I offer you the heart is hardship and death. All I ask is everything you can offer, and I like what she offers them, but all you will see, but you will see an older starlight, you will walk in a deeper dark than the world has ever known. She was like, you will see things different than anything you've known before. And she's yeah. basically putting out saving people and seeing something new. So I think she's looking for those who are like warriors, those who are yeah. adventurous. Um, she's not looking like for dairy farmers necessarily uh, who are... Yeah, like all you're maybe, getting is maybe an maybe the dairy farm at a rebirth. <laughs> maybe uh, she was like, all you're getting is an attempt at potentially a rebirth of another world, but I can't even guarantee you that. Like, and so I mean, it's it's pretty intense. Like, if you haven't read the card, I highly suggest just looking it up so you can see. I mean, the way it's written, every sentence is very to the point. Every sentence is short and sharp and crisp and clear. The, the writing is, it, it's truly be a beautiful card. Truly yeah, just the fact card. that she doesn't want to show pictures. She doesn't show a slideshow. She mm -hmm. says, look at my face. That's pretty yeah. intense. But I also think that that's amazing because it's, it's a personal connection. I also think that she doesn't, she People doesn't should have see their pictures leader. of what they could be going to. She, doesn't, she can't show them that. 
And yeah, you can show me a scientific chart or graph all you want, but that's not going to make the same impression as a personal eye-to-eye connection. Yeah, she and wasn't she trying to get that. a logical choice. She was trying to get an emotional choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and she gets I that. I just thought about something. Remember who these people were when they were humans? They were colonizers. So these were the kind of people who had to leave the comfort of their home and explore the open expanse looking for a world to rebuild and basically save humanity. I think Mara knows that these peace people basically signed up for this voyage once. What she's offering is something very similar to what everyone on this ship accepted the first time. So part of me is thinking that yeah. it's almost the fact that Mara knows that these people have that in her heart, in their heart, even if they don't have the memories, and she can kind of use this emotion to, you know, stir that back up in them. So I just thought about that. that. I didn't even think about that before when I read this, but she definitely knows what she's doing. I, I agree with you to a point, um, but like you were saying earlier, like there's millions now. So yeah, she's so, trying to appeal yep. to, yeah, she's trying to appeal to the adventurers, but that's only a fraction of the people that are there now. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're not talking just the people on the ship. They did a fantastic job at repopulating, man. Fast, too. Those, was, those males considering were just... They were, uh, I was going to say low on men. They but really I guess you, that sperm. But I guess when you can't die, you know, you know, our population growth is nothing like that now. But that's because, obviously, people are dying almost at the same rate they're being born. But I guess if nobody's... What? They said no weapons even been fired in like, centuries? No Maltech. Yeah, yeah. so... That's, Big accomplishment. All right, you ready to get into the intense stuff? This wasn't intense enough for you, Mr. Ivan. <laughs> about to go down. I am very ready, so let's do this. All right, I'll continue on with Nye One. You're the devil, Alice Lee whispers. I remember in one of the old tongues, Mara means death. An hour before, Mara's ship touches down, a polite two kilometers from the pearl groves, and she looks out across mazes of channel and tidal pond to the compounds of ancient silver-white stone beyond. Two-ton oysters glitter in the shallows, their shells jeweled with mineral inclusions. Seabirds peck and fret along narrow white breaches. Mara lifts up her black formal skirts, and begins her long walk into Alice Lee's retreat, the sanctuary of former queens. Mara, Aldrin whispers through her throat mic, don't do this. Take sure with you, at least. But she has to do this, or she'll never be able to face herself again. The sun batters at her. She hides under a parasol, but heat gathers in the folds of her garment, in the soles of her shoes. When she squints against the glare, she thinks she can see the shining grains of her fleet in orbit. The hulls, built under UTEC supervision to the specifications of radically post-conscious AI that will one day fly between worlds. It is far too late to stop the project now. Far, 
far too late for second thoughts. Exactly 12.1 billion years too late, really. For Mara in particular. Mara kicks the sand and trudges on. She's in a foul mood when she reaches the old queen's house, but the sight of Alice Lee sitting on the porch with a battered tea service makes her smile. Thank you for seeing me, Mara says. Thank you for coming. I was afraid you'd leave the universe without saying goodbye. Alice pours her a cup of cool blackberry tea. Have a seat. How's Queen Tell? She has declined to endorse my expedition, Mara admits, tucking her feet beneath her on the wide wooden deck chair. The tea is too sweet, but so blissfully cool. I'm sure you understand her reasons. You mean she's declined to endorse the sudden violent severance of tens of thousands of threads from the tapestry of our society. How surprising! Elise looks Mara over, critically, then sits back to sigh. A scribe once told me that the definition of a utopia is a place where every single person's happiness is necessary to everyone else. You're going to make a lot of unhappy people, Mara. You'll make the lives of everyone in the world tangibly worse. Not just those you've lured to certain death, but those who will grieve their departure, and all those who will come to grief for lack of labor and knowledge you took with you. My people volunteered. Your mother told you, Elise says, that it is one thing for you to have a particular power over people, but another thing entirely to deny that you are using it. You once told me, Mara counters, that I had to consider the symbol people made out of me, and that if it were good, then I had to be that symbol for them. I had to perform as they required. I have done so. I have been the best thing I can think to be. Is this the best thing you could think to be, Elise says, with very practiced neutrality. Mara drinks her tea in delicate silence. The old queen sets her cup down hard enough to chip. Mara jumps in quiet shock. The tea service is an heirloom from Shipspire. Her face hardens with the power of ancient command. Mara, I'm at least as clever as you. Do me the credit of acknowledging it. I have worked for many hundreds of years to arrange this outcome, Mara says forthrightly, but without the courage to look Alice Lee right in the eyes. I have nurtured and tended to the ecclesiast belief so that there will always be awoken who feel uncomfortable in paradise, guilty for the gift of existence in the distributary, people who'll come with me. I know. Elise lays a hand on Mara's. And for a moment, the touch almost makes Mara sigh in gratitude. To be seen. To be known. Without revulsion. Then, Elise's old strength pins her palm to the table. The diaserm? Elise hisses. The theodicy war? Did you arrange it all? Oh, snap. Yeah, so things are getting serious. Nye 1 and 2 are some of my favorite cards. 
Um, right. I'm like, just can we just the, not comment? Can we just go on? <laughs> just the setup alone, Mara, against the will of basically Aldrin, I'm sure anyone following her, is going to visit the original queen, her good old original created friend. And she's doing so in, like, her most formal wear. She even has a little parasol to protect know, the heat. Right? She's lifting up her dress as she's so walking extra. through the water. Like, they set this up. She is going to basically the, the greatest retirement center ever for the queen. Only granted, she's not old. But imagine just, like, when you, uh, you know, you, you step down as queen and you just, you, you just have luxury, right? And she just goes and visits her. And at this point, we don't even know exactly why. But they start this tea ceremony, and this is, I just love, and then this is where things start getting full circle. First of all, we see, at least Lee's like, ah, how's it going with your new queen? The one that we just said uh, Mara appointed. That didn't quite work for her, because Queen mm-hmm. Tell is not endorsing her flight. And we see at this point also, she sees, she talks about how the, her jewels up in the sky. Basically, her ships are ready, so a lot more time has passed. She's now can some volunteers to come with her. They're now building ships. She's ready to go. She comes for one last conversation with Elise Lee, and this is where stuff gets real. Uh, this is where we have Elise reminding her that her mother always tells her not to wield her power. And then, this is my favorite part, we come full circle, Mara counters with, you once told me that I had to consider the symbol people made out of me. Like I had said all that time ago, those words to Mara really, I think, painted a picture for her. Because she has held that she is a symbol held in her heart and is really, really motivated by that. And then at this point, things just get crazy. That's just Elise Lee basically just lightly puts her hand on Mara. As Mara basically admits that she was the one who caused all this fighting on this war. And for a second, she thinks Elise Lee understands. And then no, she basically just grabs her hand with sudden intensity and is just like... Have you caused all of this fighting, all of this killing, all of this war? Like, we're, we're finally getting basically all of the answers that we've thought and speculated for all this time. It's, it's finally coming to a head. Dude, I also like that they're having tea because that feels pretty full circle. Um, because if you remember, um, Alice Lee was making tea when she had this initial conversation that they are both referencing um back in the ship yeah well that's perfect they say that this tea set is basically an heirloom from mm-hmm. the ship's fire so the fact that she chipping it she's beating it so hard is pretty intense yeah i didn't even know i didn't remember that that is true like i said things are coming full circle oh this is such a great these two cards are great so are you ready yeah. to uh, go to the next one <laughs> yeah anything, anything, else, <laughs> anything else you guys like here I just, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much to say, but it's, that's really it. Right. There's so much just intensity, but symbolism. I'm like, I need the second one before I like start getting into right? it. The like. symbolism, the full round. Oh, it's just yeah. crazy. how. And I love how these two are back at it as they're about to go their separate ways one last time. And remember, so remember, as I read, at this point, Mara has not told Elise Lee what she's there for. She basically just starts telling the truth, which once again, sounds really weird for Mara, if we can agree. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, you're seeing Mara in a different light, Mrs. Hyven. You know? Yeah, I think that's where some of my respect is coming from. Oh, well, let's see how it goes. All right. Through a little bit of honesty. Nine, two. No. 
Mara says, which is a lie told with truth. Do you understand what you've done? Have you reckoned the full cost? She has convinced tens of thousands of Awoken to abandon their immortality. She has deprived the distributary an infinite quantity of joy, companionship, labor, and discovery. All the works that might be accomplished by all the people who will join her in her mission to another world. When she lies awake at night, seized by anxiety, she tries to tally up the loss in her head. But it is too huge, and it becomes a formless thing that stalks her down the pathway of her bones like the creep of a gravity wave. Some infinities are larger than others, she tells her old captain. I believe we are here for a reason, and this is the way to fulfill that purpose. And how much would you sacrifice? Your mother? Your brother? Are they awoken real to you at all? Elise leans across her pinned hand, viper fierce, striking. Do you think my people were made to die for you? Not for me. For our purpose. For our fate. For a home we abandon. It's in the charter, Mara. The document on ship spire. That. And even Elise Lee falls into a hush as she broaches one of the primal mysteries, her memory of creation, that shaped the the way I made this universe. You were the first, Mara acknowledges. The first one here laid down the rules. Elise Lee releases her hand and collapses back into her chair. Why are you here, Mara? To tell you the truth at last. To ask you, for that boon you own me. At last, Elise sighs. Well, I knew the day would come. I think I'll be glad to have this weight off of my shoulders. You'll ask me to throw my support behind your mission, won't you? The first queen says, go with Mara. Awaken from this dream and go fight for your home. Is that it? No, Mara says, with her heart in her throat. With trepidation bubbling in her gut. You cannot keep a secret buried like a vintage for so many centuries and then unbottle it without any ceremony. The boon I ask is your forgiveness. Then she explains the truth. She tells Elise Lee what she did about the choice Elise Lee would have made if Mara had not made her own first. It's only an extension of what Elise has already deduced. When she's finished, her ancient captain's jaw trembles, her hands shake, keen slips between her clamped teeth. The oldest woman in the world conjures up all the grief she has ever felt, and still it is not enough to match Mara's crime. You're the devil, Elise whispers. I remember one of the old tongues. Mara means death. Oh, that's too perfect. That's too much. She laughs for a while. Mara closes her eyes and waits. You realize, Elise says, breathing hard, that this is the worst thing ever done? Worse than stealing few thousand people from heaven. Worse than that thing we fled before we were awoken. Please, Mara begs, please don't say that. Elise Lee rises from her chair. I'll support your fleet, she says. 
I'll use every favor and connection I have to get your halls completed and through the gateway. And I will do it so that I can hasten your departure from this world. I will do it out of hate for you. I will do it so that every good and great thing we achieve here will ever after be denied to you. You snake. No forgiveness. Do you understand me? It is unforgivable. Go. Go. I'd be very glad if you didn't tell my mother, Mara says. Elise Lee hurls the pitcher of blackberry tea over Mara, turns, and goes inside, leaving her to trudge wet and sticky, but unbowed back to her ship. She leaves her tea-stained parasol on the deck, but when she remembers it and looks back, it is already gone. Probably my favorite card. <laughs> it's... As much as you are feeling like, oh my god, you also are probably still confused. A little. And this I is, don't have my own theories. And this is why we have to read the next book that we voted on, because you get the actual answer in that book. Yeah. I definitely have my own oh. theories on some things, but I... Oh my gosh, so go take it away. Give us your thoughts on this card. <laughs> First of all, I'm actually going to start at the end here. It says she hurls the pitcher of blackberry tea over Mara. That means she's just chucking the tea at her, or she threw the whole sucker at her. Because with this I, kind of anger, I feel like she threw the whole. Sucker I think she just poured through the whole pot, pot over. Yeah, <laughs> just drenched her with tea. Um. Yeah. Ceremony means nothing. <clears throat> yeah, basically. Yeah. It, yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, they go back and forth. You know, obviously not knowing what Mara's done exactly. I think Elise Lee is a little selfish in the fact that she's like, we already left that world once, just leave them to die. Because um, Mara's like, okay, we did because we were in a position where we couldn't help them. She's like, but now we've had, you know, centuries to develop and we could actually make a real difference back there. Um, and I think that's like very honorable on Mara's part. Um, but again, not knowing the whole story. Can we? Can we? I don't know. I want to talk a kind of about, we are a podcast that describes, discusses the lore. I know we're going to cover it. Part of me feels like it would be such a good topic point to talk about what she's done now. Or do you think we should wait until it's plainly stated in the next book? I think we should get Mrs. Hyven's theories on it. And but... if she's right, we can... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just it's so intense. I mean, so, I mean, I guess we could go over like, what's happening. My theories are just going to make me sound stupid. Probably not. So we can see, well, but so I just, mean, you're the you're the newbie perspective, though. I mean, okay. So like the most think, basic think version of it right is, here. I have always been confused as to why Elise Lee was first. It's never made sense to me. I don't feel like it's accurate. She was in the ship. Mara wasn't. Aldrin remembers something. Aldrin was tethered to her. I don't know exactly what happened, but I believe Mara was first. Now, I don't know if Mara first had the opportunity to do something and passed on it or how Elise got it or what happened there, but I don't believe Elise Lee was first. I almost never have. It's never sounded right. And that's my I point. will say one thing for you then. <laughs> um, have, I will leave your thought with this paragraph once again. <clears throat> then she explains the truth. She tells Alice Lee what she did about the choice Elise Lee would have made if Mara had not made her own 
first. That's what I'm saying. It's I feel like Mara was first and somehow made from, from that. I feel like somehow Mara made Elise not be a god. Should we just leave it at this? I say we leave it at this because the next book is going to cover it. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, so, so that's yeah. my thought. Um, I, yeah. Even still, I don't fully understand why Elise is so pissed about it. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I'd be pissed if somebody forced my hand into a decision I wasn't trying to make. But um, yeah. there's still and you know what? Why don't we have some discussion after the episode? To get you up to age on everything, but, there, but yeah, yeah, I think that was my really Yubi's good perspective and my theories. Um, ever since we read that Elise came through first, it's just it logically does not make sense. If you are off of a ship that is going through and you are first, therefore you are first. Like if you go through a door first, somebody doesn't just magically come out the other end before you. So that's kind of just always been what I've been thinking about. Um, and I've always felt like that somehow goes into it, especially with Aldrin knowing something. Um, yeah. so that's been my little theory that's been uh, oh. cooking on the pot. Percolating. I like yeah. it. I like... Well, any other thoughts about the card? Just about kind of the sacrifice that's happening? Well, whatever she does, basically, to the fact that Elise Lee basically keeps reminding her that she's the devil, that her name <laughs> means death. In an old tongue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a little annoyed with Elise. Literally, she says that this is the worst thing she has ever done. Worse than killing people. Worse than starting the war. So Mara claims she didn't actually start the war. She does say, she, <laughs> she answers no, which she says is a lie told with truth. I mean, so I, I think, think she orchestrated everything. Part of that everything into the fact that, a, that Mara wanted um, division. easy. She wanted but to I don't think whole... she necessarily wanted a whole full-on war. I agree, yeah. Um, because we understand that Amara, that Mara um, treasures all awoken lives. We know that. I think maybe um, the seed she planted got a little out of hand, perhaps. Um, <clears throat> but I don't necessarily think that was Mara's intention. Um, but, um, like I said, I'm a little annoyed with Elise Lee here. She really focuses in on the fact that, like, she feels that Mara is manipulating these thousands of people. She's hurting these people by taking them. She's hurting the others um, by leaving them without their family. Um, and additionally, you know, whatever progress can be made um, from the people that she's taking. Again, I think Elise is being pretty selfish. Um, I guess for me it's hard knowing that they were originally human and to think that you wouldn't want to go back when you had the opportunity to help. Right. Um See, and look, now we're splitting sides. No, I'm just, to play devil's advocate, because it sounds like you're almost getting on Mara's side, when eventually, at the very beginning, you were very no, opposed not to her. not necessarily. I but think what Mara is doing say, is um, very... Ad- um, I was just going to ask you then, playing devil's advocate then, you're saying that it would be selfish for Elise Lee, but Elise Lee's point is that all of the life that is here, you have immortal... Happy, joyful. You have built a utopia. Oh, totally she is basically understand. going to I'm kill that. It's the way Imagine Mara... if all of your loved ones disappeared. No, no, so no, no. It's, it's, I it's agree killing that... the society in so many ways. Is what I agree that it's going to have a huge impact on those who are left behind. I totally do. Um, and I agree that it's going to be hard. But A, these people did volunteer. 
But then Elise tells Mara, well, you're using them, you're manipulating them because you can't. But Mara gave them all the facts. Yes, maybe she did provoke emotion out of them to really, you know, drive her point. But, I mean, she gave them all of the facts. She was not she, manip- she was not dishonest with them. Yeah, and I would say she might not have told them like, everything, but she gave them the truth about what they needed to know. Yeah, you know? exactly. And so my thing is, is I'm annoyed with Elise Lee, not because of um, the point she's making, but how she's making them. I, I think she's being overly she's hurtful. fiery. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I just... I, but I, I just, I feel that because I feel like Mad. Mara is finally kind of coming into this, like, let me lay it out for you. Let me be honest. Like, I know you're going to be mad, but, like, all I want is your forgiveness. I feel like that's just such a raw, like, open but, thing for Mara. Well, um, that shows a lot about Mara. <laughs> the fact that her goal, she could have asked for the backing of the queen. Instead, she asked for the queen's forgiveness. Or, or maybe she was, was expecting this regard. Or I would say maybe she was expecting this and... Once again, this this paints Mara in a very delicate picture. But once again, that. what if this wasn't genuine? What if this was... I've always thought of it as her genuine. Oh. But just playing devil's advocate, remember, this is written in Mara's viewpoint. What if she went there knowing that she would get the queen's backing by pissing her off so much that she wanted Mara and everything to do with her gone, finally? See, I don't think that because... She specifically opens it to where she gives Elise the opportunity to go tell her mother. She gives Elise all the facts, and Elise could have... Yeah, but I'm saying... She asks her... She gets the tea on her for But no, but you see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, she puts herself in such a vulnerable position where she could potentially lose her mother, one of, like, the biggest things she holds dear, um, whether she'll admit it or not. So I think... Th- that Mara? does make sense, but I will say something later on will show that that's maybe not as much a point in her mind. I'm, I'm not saying that I think this is what's happening, but I have never thought of that before. Um, no, and I agree my that bias it's a good perspective and I guess to look at it, especially because Mara me. is writing this. But I don't know. I just think, like, there, there's a lot. And you're right. Maybe it is because she's writing it. But the fact that it almost seems like she has to do this before she leaves because she'll never have another opportunity to do it again because she needs it off of her chest. She's apologizing you know? her for what she did to her, and we'll see that later. Anyway, you're just as fired up right now. You're probably more so than the card is. I don't even know what I don't even know what we're arguing about now. I don't know. I guess like for me, I just well, I want it. I, I want it to be genuine because. I feel exactly. like this is... I felt the same way for so long, so that's why I'm kind of so, contemplating. And that's why I'm so, going to point it out, that I want it to be. I'm not saying it is. So here's, here's why I think it is genuine. Mara remembers the, the pre-awoken life. Okay? She remembers how much admiration she had for Alice... And while they were human, yeah, it says she, that, looked, she looked up to her yeah, as captain, right? In like exactly. One of the first cards. Exactly, and so like she remembers that admiration, and it carried over into their awoken life. Yeah, I. Th- that's simply just why I think this is genuine and not pure manipulation. I agree. I've always thought of this card as genuine too. It's just reading this. I guess from Elise Lee's thinking. I think me trying to 
play devil's advocate on Elise Lee's side makes me think of Mara as being. I've no. I've always thought about Mara had a bigger goal. She believed that she was trying to not just help her people, but everyone stuck in that old universe that they left, and she wanted to get back to save them. That's how I've always had it in my mind. But reading this card now, I'm trying to think of it from Elise Lee's point of view, and that I have to remember that Mara, whether or not she wanted it, basically divided the people. She caused a war. She had people killed. She has made people uneasy and had all this fighting for possibly thousands of years. So it is crazy. It's one of those, do the ends justify the means? In my mind, I think Mars always had genuine intentions. But I can see why Elise Lee is pissed. And that's kind of what I see in this card. Because I think Mara really yeah. was genuine. I think the fact that she used that last boon for her forgiveness, I don't think she ever needed anything from Elise Lee. I think she got everything she wanted from Elise Lee. Yeah. And this is her apologizing for taking everything she needed. Yeah. Ah, man, it's crazy. So, yeah, man, we'll go a little bit into more. Eventually, in the next book, that's why I wanted to continue on, and I'm glad everyone voted that way, to later see what she did actually do and some of the implications behind all that. But, yeah, I just love that Mara has the audacity. Can you not tell my mom? Get out! Just throws tea on her. Well, like, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of funny to me. I mean, I, I see poor Mara just standing there taking it. And then yeah, she didn't, like, she didn't like shoot her or anything. She was just like, I'm done with you. It's almost like comic relief a little bit. But it's a, it's a heated situation, you know? Well, and, like and so, like, how, how angry does, do you have to be in order to give the person asking for forgiveness, you know, something that they could need or or want just so that you they you don't have to deal with them anymore yeah that was spiteful she was like no i am not going to forgive you in fact i'm going to get you out of here so that you can never experience any good joyful thing that happens here ever again just to deny you like that yeah. she is she cuts deep she doesn't say i want you gone she says i want you to miss out on everything and the fact that you have the audacity to still talk to me right now after I've told you to leave, take this tea to the <laughs> face. Yeah. And then, so, last sentence. She leaves her tea-stained parasol on the deck, but when she remembers it and looks back, it is already gone. What is your guys' viewpoint of that? To me, that was just maybe some servants cleaned it up. She looks back, thinking about what has already happened. And then it's almost like symbolically this moment is in the past and she's moved on. Or what did you guys view that as? Yeah, I know. I think that's pretty accurate. Some symbolism from the Destiny writers. I just think that she looked back to that garment and thought like everything. It kind of like symbolized their relationship with Elise Lee, which is another reason why I think, once again, as you guys both agree with also, this was genuine because for a moment she stops (laughs) back to think on everything that's happened. She, I, th- I think she's almost she's a little hurt by it, but it's already gone. And just as that tea-stained garment is gone, her thoughts and emotions toward that are gone, and she's ready to move on. Because if anything, we know Mara is very motivated. And I think I would argue that Mara feels emotions 
just as fiercely, if not more, than other people. I think she is led no, by emotion. I think that's another reason I think this is genuine because Mara honestly doesn't have the time to be bogged down with these kinds of um, regrets or uh, whatever you want to call them. She she needed to get this off of her chest so she could truly just move forward and get things done. Um, yeah, she, and this she, shows she that says, she was able to do that by that that look, that symbolism. Yeah, we, yeah. and how how much she's affected when Elise Lee says she's worse than the thing that they ran from, basically worse than the darkness. And she's like, please don't say that yeah. because she's going back to fight that. That's kind of what her goal is right now. So I think Elise Lee cut deep, and I yeah. think this affected and Mara. That's, and that's why I got so it. fired up because I feel like Elise was, really yeah. just kind of like dug in she really twisted the knife oh yeah whether mara was being genuine or not you know especially if she was being genuine like i think she feel bad for mara you know i told you your boyfriend of mara is gonna go up and down just like crazy she's a great character that's why i love her so much man yeah i mean you hated her when we started no no and i and i did and I hated her for her manipulativeness. And I think it wasn't until I could come around to the fact that clearly she was doing it for a reason, you know, and it's always, okay, what is that? What is that reason? And what is that motive? Like, you know, I mean, is she just so far off with her motive um, that she is truly doing crazy things? Or does she have a purpose and a point that she really feels like she's genuinely helping her people? Um, and I think she really genuinely feels like she is helping her awoken people. And not just that, but the humanity that she originally came from. Um, and that and that gives me something to respect. And, and I even would if say, I am not in love with Mara, because I still don't think that as a person, <laughs> she's somebody I'd want to be buddy-buddy with, because I could never trust her. No, she's a but great I queen. But I respect the hell she's out of her. Not someone you get close to, though. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Someone you bow to in admiration for. Yeah, but I'm saying like if this was a person like I knew in real life, I might not be best friends with them, but I could totally respect um, what they're doing if they, you know, were doing something like this for their family. Oh, absolutely. That's why, that's why I think she's such a great, well, she's not queen right now, but why she is such a great, great leader, um, because she's... I think she's, she's able willing to, to put all of the bad on her. So I was just about to say, I was literally just going to compare her to Batman. You ever see like the first Batman, especially the new right? Batman? She's not the new Dark Knight. What is he, he not the hero not they want? I'm the hero they need. Yeah, pretty and much. That is kind of Mara's character. She. That's why I call her the anti-hero. She's not a villain. She is a hero, but she's not doing all the happy. Yeah. The she's doing the dirty things. work for her people she's to give them what they need. Work. Exactly. Yep. And again, I don't necessarily love her for it, but I can respect her, and that's a, that goes a long way. You know what? I have to say to that. Heck yeah. I need that sound like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on because I want to keep, keep getting more. Figure it out. Okay. So Palingenesis 1. Mara thinks of the bay and trees that sprawl across the shallow, silty lakes. Of a world she will never see again. The waveguides in her helmet detect the image and obey the encrypted command scheme. She's rooted into every system in her fleet. She speaks into the flight directorate channel. Flight. Sound off for final hold. 
Fido, go flight. Guidance, go flight. Inco, good constellation, go flight. Geode, go flight. Bio, go flight. As her flight controllers confirm the state of their technical domains, Mara looks out into space through the synthetic gaze of her sensorium. The halls gleam in the stark blue-white light of the star, each ship a silver seed pod braced by immense structural members and cocooned in reservoirs of spectrally adaptive smart fluid. Theoretically, enough to survive the horrible forces of transit through a singularity. Mara orders herself not to crane her neck, but she does it anyways and gets a terrible cramp as she searches the sky for the distributary. There it is, the world of her rebirth, shining blue water and beautiful, wrapped like a gyroscope in its twin rings. World of laughing corsairs, world of breathless forest hunts, world of mountains flickering with pale Cherenkov fire, world of sweet berry-stained lips and mathematical insight pure as a rhodium chime, she will never see it again. I gotta go get some water. I'm, like, choking on these words. It's because you have the bronchitis I gave you. And also, that's kind of what happens when you eat while you read. I was doing it earlier. She's just sipping on some water. I'm gonna redo that last sentence because I feel like I made it sound weird because it's choking on my words. She will never see it again. Mara thinks of her mother. She doesn't want to, but she does. And the memory blindfolds her and muzzles her and plugs her ears so she can hear nothing but Osana's voice on that final night. They're tipsy together, and the evening has wrapped around to morning. Now they sit side by side, mother and daughter, watching the sunrise over the crusade range from Osana's little ranch house on the tundra. I'm not coming with you, Osana says. Mara has been so afraid of this answer for so long that she actually giggles. This can't be happening, of course. This is a nightmare. One of those stress dreams where your powers of persuasion and manipulation fail. Sure, Mom, she says. You've got a ranch to run, after all. More? No, thank you. Osana squints into the dawn. Little age creases surround her eyes. Illegible encryption, unbroken, despite Mara's centuries of effort. The rising light draws a tear. You'll have to send my goodbyes to Aldrin. He's not speaking to me. What? Mara gasps, as if this is a real shock and not losing her mother forever. Why? Because I already told him I wasn't coming with you. I'm happy here. Mom, Mara says with rising anger. I'm happy here, too. That's not the point. A conversation that did not so much end as beat itself to an unsustainable emotional pulp hours later. No catharsis. No closure. Back in the present. Weapons, Aldrin calls. Go flight. Go flight, Mara confirms. The clock is counting. L minus five minutes. Directly off her hull's bow. A sphere of ultra-dense mass waits for the moment of implosion and collapse. There will only be moments to transit 
the wormhole before it evaporates. Flight sensor, Shirito calls. I have an anomalous star field occlusions bearing. Intercept, Mara shouts. They're missiles. It had to happen. Someone had to try to stop the departure. Someone good and pallid and pure who believes they are saving tens of thousands of awoken from madness and doom. Flight Fido, do we abort? Negative, Mara snaps. The countdown is go. Weapons, kill the inbounds. Shirito grunts in dismay. They're going to get through, she says. Five or six at least. Aldrin, Mara opens their personal channel with the thought of his face. Reassign your guns to protect the gateway. We'll lose hulls, Mara. I know. Do it. Mara opens the command interface for the gateway and sends the image of a bloody thorn. The countdown skips instantly to zero. All ships, we are boarding directly to launch. Brace for acceleration. She issues the emergency launch order. The hull screams with thrust. Mara's suits floods with the cushioning gel. She thinks of her mother's face, trying to fix it perfectly in her mind, and her sensorium tries vainly to open a channel to Osana. As the hull plunges into the singularity, the last thing Mara sees is a mournful error message. No connection. No connection. No connection. Cannot connect to Osana. So essentially... Osana just cuts all ties with her children. And that's that's kind of heart-wrenching. Yeah, I think that was one of those opportunities, well, not opportunities, but one of the positions where they had different goals, and this was such a large thing. I think Osana, I mean, she lives forever, but she was old before they got there, or at least older. Um... Uh, and I think she's just seen enough. She wants to she wants to retire. Mara's got that youthful fighting spirit. And Aldrin will fight her, follow her into a war. And Asana's just not ready for it. And I think Mara knew that, which is why it's also kind of sad because I think that's why they she knew she was gonna have, have to do this, this conversation until right before they left. Because yeah. she had this conversation with yeah. Aldrin and Aldrin just couldn't talk to her anymore. Probably too hard. But only when they were tipsy did this, did this happen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No, I mean, I understand that. I can imagine if I ever got my mom actually tipsy, it'd probably be the only time we had a real conversation. I like, I, I feel this card on a, on a mild personal level, having gone through periods of time where my mother and I haven't spoken uh, due to a difference of opinion um, that really did kind of like, give us that lack of connection so and it's hard because just like Mara you know I I think I'm right and I think I'm doing what's best um and what's you know best for all and what's best for the good um and and so it's hard you know because that's still that person you've always looked up to and always loved um so like I really I really like get this and I really understand this feeling and it breaks my heart a little for Mara um actually a lot (laughs) and for Osana because even in those times where I wasn't speaking with my mother I knew that just as much as I hurt she hurt too um so you know in one fail swoop Osana lost both of her children basically 
Um, yeah, she's going to live forever knowing that her children may or may not have made it die. out of that world. Yeah. Even if even if she, they're not going to die right away, she doesn't know if they get it out. Yeah. They're, what they're doing has never been tested. They're, yeah. As we see, they're basically mm-hmm. trying to blow a wormhole just up in space and travel back kind of the way they came. Yeah. yeah. Everything I about mean, this is theoretical, so. Yeah. It's crazy, I man. mean, it's... I don't know. It's it's really sad. Um, well, we it's see definitely that. also, I think, like, personalizing Mara to me a little more, which is definitely skewing my view of her now. <laughs> well, she's on the ship, and she's looking like a child, you know, looking out the window as they drive away from somewhere, you know, you see in, like, a movie, or you might have experienced yourself when you leave, like, a vacation. You're looking back. She's trying as hard as she can not to, but she can't help but look back for their little planet she can say goodbye. And then even as we see basically as everything's ready to go and they're about to launch, we see that the planet, the distributor, they try once again to keep all these people from going, trying to shoot down the ships. And even as they have to just go last minute, she's still, with her last action, trying to open a channel to her mother just to say goodbye. Unfortunately, she cannot do so. So that's just kind of how it ends. She's... She I'm leaves the place without saying goodbye to her mother, running away from missiles. So we see not all the ships make it through. I would imagine that I don't think that they were shooting them to, to blow them up. My thinking was they were trying to down all these ships, shot missiles at their engines. Um, but we see already going on through this world, Mara's already lost a couple ships, probably. Uh, but they obviously they train their weapons on firing the missiles to protect the gate so they can get there. So they're already having a rough start as they leave. And it makes it so much harder knowing that they're having to leave all these people behind. This is really sad, you guys. Is the next card any happier? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't. Um, it, it. Yeah, no, I don't know. This one's, like, confusing. If just anything, may really. Well, we'll have to find out. Yep. Right. Take it away, Elements, to try and make me happier. I never actually thought of the other card as as sad. I think you definitely brought uh, your own little personal thing that it's made so it even sad sadder. So. It's so it's sad. It's definitely a sad She'll card. She'll never talk to definitely. her mother again. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's definitely personal to me. I I at least always knew that when the dust settled, it would be fine again. Um, despite how many times it's been kicked up, uh, my mom was always still there. You know, so I think that's what makes it sad is that Mari doesn't even have that. Yeah. I'm really well, sad. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> okay, well, but also they didn't leave on a bad note. You are acting as if they're, you know, they're fighting. So just if to make anything no, happy, but... they're not fighting. They know that each other have different goals and they're probably proud of each other for going their separate ways. Maybe. It's yeah. more like friends. You know, going somewhere, not knowing when they'll see each other again, but being proud. Unfortunately, they know that they probably will never see each other again. So it's definitely sad, but you can take any solace. Take solace in the fact that at least Mara and her mother had a nice night together before they left. It was They were still on speaking <laughs> terms. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they both got sloshed together. It's always a good Right? Night. That's a great last <laughs> night. Can't complain. <laughs> How often How do you often get to go really drinking get with your, with your mom? mom. Yeah, exactly. 
How often do I want to go drinking with my mom? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I would love to get my mom sloshed, or Hyven's mom for that matter. Are you kidding? My mother would probably drink me on the table. <laughs> nice, that's a good mom Not right my there. mom. My mom stopped drinking for like 20 years and has only started again recently, so... You're light, I think so. I, Even though I'm lightweight, I think I could still beat her. Same with same with Ivan's mom. <laughs> probably not. You're you're like oh, probably with my mom. All right. Really? Anyway, your mom took two sips of beer last week and was feeling it. I then you, finished though, it. Yeah, I, but wasn't it a couple weeks ago that you took like half a beer bottle? Yep. Yeah, you, we're talking. It really sips. just depends on how much I eat. You you beat her by <laughs> sips. We're talking. <laughs> hey, not bottles. All right. Still beating her. Yeah, it's true. A win is a win. Anyway, I'll be covering the last card for tonight. Palingenesis 2. Here, in this time without time, pocketed by the ever-scattering Cosm, touched as an assassin touches the gun in the secret fold, there is an eon within, and I am going without. This is where we belong. Interstitial. In that space between. This is where truth collapses. Supercritical. There is a war. And its name is existence. There are two ways to fight. One is the sword. And one is the bomb. By the sword. I mean the way to fight. That is tempered and solid. The way that is made. From old things. And that triumphs. By the reduction to simplicity. This way is known to those who study the cosmos. Take any part of it at any time, and you will see an edge and say, this is a weapon. By the bomb, I mean that way of being that is complex and schematic, and that must attain a criticality to attack. The way that is made from new things, and that triumphs by the arrangement of intricacy. This way is known to those who study themselves. Take any component of the bomb in isolation, and you will say, What is this? I cannot understand its purpose. Yet, in it is the possibility of a fire. Numberless are the spaces that surround the universe. Subordinate and superordinate are their relationships to the intrinsic world that is only itself. We pass now through analogy space that will refi what was once subject into object. That power I held, which was agonist to a mother's reproachment, will be realized and reified. First is the awareness of my vector, which all who follow me held in their hearts. Second is the desire to hear my speech, which all who follow me curled in their ears. Third is the existence at the fault, which is the inner tension that all who follow me still sense. We are risen from man and fallen from heaven. We are made again in the fall. What was once us will not ever again be us. I am the uncrowned ever queen, and my only diadem will be the event horizon 
of the universe, which is my dominion. By falling, I will rise. There are an uncountable number of ways to be between zero and two. All right. This is another one of our, uh, how would you say? I, this is our, this is our, uh, this is the outro. Oh, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's Mara's charter to herself as she continues on this path. Well, like that's what it sounds like yeah. to me. I yeah, mean, obviously, right. it's also her kind of like naming herself new queen of this like sliced off piece of the Awoken. Um, but I feel like this is just kind of like her, <clears throat> yeah, no, her her charter to herself. Yeah, I think you're right. It is. It's 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 the conclusion. Uh, at the very beginning, she talked about how um, you know these words basically came from her. It's how we knew that she wrote this, and she kind of talked. She gave an introduction to basically to their history, and now she's ending it. She's saying that there's two ways to live. The sword and the bomb, which are very important, that you know, me and Elmist will get into in a second here. Um, but she acknowledges that she basically is the bomb logic, uh, and that then she basically, yes, as you said, towards at the end, she talks about that they're aware of where they're going, and all the follow, hold that in their hearts. Second, they want to listen to her, um, to her speech, and third which is their existence um, existence at a fault, which is the inner tension that all who follow me still sense. So just the, the, the fight to exist. And I think then she then concludes with, we are risen from man, where they originally came from, but fallen from heaven as life in the distributory. We are made again in the fall. So once again, as they one. fall back into this universe, you're reborn once again, basically as another new people, and of course, she ends with "Yes, I am the uncrowned ever queen." Uh, yeah, and she basically ends with "There are an uncountable number of ways between zero and two. And I kind of thought that there's a lot kind of in that. You could say uncountable ways between zero and two, between like the the two philosophies that seem to always be with the Awoken when they're in the distributary. You could say it's the two between like. Um, the light and the dark. Um, I'm not 100% sure what is there, but just that there are a lot of, there's a lot of gray area and a lot of difference between two decisions. No matter what those decisions are, it's never just one or the other. And that's kind of how I viewed her ending statement. You talked about the the sword and the bomb. Um, one of the things I really uh, liked about the bomb is talking about um, basically the sword. It's 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 one thing, whereas the bomb, it's it's many components. And it says basically, if you take those apart and you look at just one piece, it says, you know, I don't understand its purpose. But she says, yet in it is the possibility of fire. Um, and I don't know. I thought that was an interesting part on like you know, on Mara as a as a as a thought. Because to me, it it made me think, like, Mara is not this one cut and dry thing like a sword. She is this bomb. She is this has all of these intricacies. Taking all of her little bits apart and looking at them separately, maybe you don't understand them. But 
you still need to grasp the point that like they have power within them. Um, and so I, I definitely thought it was an interesting um, way to look at Mara herself. Yeah, that's a great, I think, description of it. And this is a play off of, um, at this point, I would say this was written current time. Mara understands these philosophies. Um, so what they're referring to is the sword and the bomb. Um, the sword is referring to sword logic by the hive. Um, we hear a story yep. from Toland. He talks about the hive, about how in this world, not he, he, he tells a story. He says, imagine a world where there were three queens. Um, one rules by power. Maybe two try to work things out through peace. However, one basically just ha- overwhelms and obliterates the other. And that becomes the one queen. That becomes the dominant force. Uh, the main force is the power of the sword. And that basically describes the hive. Um, the hive yep. are literally a weapon. As it says, um, it, it's reduced to simplicity. Uh, basically, the hive don't. They're not really conniving. They're straightforward. They believe in hive logic, which is, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, you learn from your killing, you know. Um, but Mara, Mara is saying, yes, we have now acknowledged that this sword logic is kind of the way of the universe, the show of power. And I think this is why this is so awesome. She says, I counter that the straightforward, overwhelming power is not the answer, but in fact, the intricacies and the inner workings of a bomb are true. And exactly what you said, Mara is so complex. She is not straightforward. Half the time, we don't know what she's doing. Granted, she still is an overwhelming force, um, just like a bomb has the possibility of fires, it says. But all the little pieces of that bomb, all the little things that she does, uh, are really, really hard to deduce the the ending to that just from them in pieces. So that's kind of how I, I see this. Basically, she is comparing the logics of the universe on, on power and understanding. And she is basically acknowledging that she has her own, own way of doing things. Yeah. yeah. One day we'll get and into I'm, the whole hive sword logic thing. And I mean, the way I kind of viewed the bomb logic was that she's using whatever means like she's using things as tools yeah nothing nothing is just you know she isn't mara yeah, is not you don't when you think of the hive sword logic makes sense I mean, they literally come at you with swords it's just overwhelming force i mean mara is not i don't think of a sword with mara I think of something very detailed intricate um, and i think like you said like a bomb is fitting she'll use any tool Use any little pieces, any little piece involved to kind of to get to her, to her well, outcome. And, and it's not as straightforward, right? So, like with the sword logic, it's very cut and dry. It's it's you know you use a sword, it will cut. With the bomb logic, and and relating it back to why it's called the bomb logic, you know you've got all these small little components that when you look at them separately, it's just a small little thing. And I mean, I'm thinking of like how she's used our guardian in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're little pieces in her giant bomb. (laughs) 
Yeah. We're kind of the fuse. Waiting for this thing to go off. Right. I, I can't wait for you to get done with the week three invitation. Okay, I'll do that. I'll pick that up right after this. <laughs> then do it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, well, we'll get into that eventually. Yeah. But yeah, she basically ends on, I think that's a pretty awesome way to end it. Basically saying, through all this, I learned a new way of existence. And at this point, she is the uncrowned ever queen. This is her war. This is her dream, her goal. She will be the one to see it through. And that's why I think Mara does everything that she does. Because she has now taken all these people out of this tributary. She basically has reduced them to to mere mortals. You know, basically everything she's done up till now, it's taken so much that she will now do anything to fulfill her goal. Even if we don't know exactly what that goal is, Mara is a very motivated woman. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the one line I I like in here, I am the uncrowned ever queen, and my only diadem will be the event horizon of the universe, which is my dominion. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) <laughs> right like that that's very fitting for her her personality I like it all right there concludes the marasina mrs hyven uh-huh. are you alive enough to <clears throat> i am i never said i wasn't i was just letting <laughs> you two have your have your time um yeah so now we will move in to our closing which um, it's always our shout-outs. Um, I don't really think I have anything particular this week. I want to say thank you to everyone who participated in the poll. Uh, you know, it, it just helps us get better knowledge of what we can do. Um, you know, we definitely thought that moving on um, with this <clears throat> into the Reef of the Awoken was a good idea. Um, but you know, we wanted to make sure that you guys all agreed. So again, to the people who participated, thank you for helping us out and letting us know, um, Elemis has already gotten started on those show notes. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it for me. Oh, at this point, I'm already done with those show notes. (laughs) Uh, for shout outs for me, um, you know, this week. I want to give a shout-out to some of my clanmates. We played Iron Banner almost every night this past week, and today, going in solo, I was mercied more than than anything. (laughs) But when I was playing with my team, we mercied constantly. Iron Banner, my problem with Iron Banner is it's always lopsided. You are either... Yeah, really winning or really losing, and it always seems to be. Very rarely do you ever get those, even on the edge games. It's always one sided, and it sucks. Well, and, and you have the day of all loses losses. So it was funny because uh, I was playing Iron Banner with with one of my clanmates, and like it was just us two. The other guys hadn't logged in yet, so we were just grinding out, and we actually played one match that. Like, the opposing team had locked the zones, like, four or five times. But 
every single time that they had a hunt going on, we hunted their team down and annihilated them. Yeah, that's the thing I like, though. Everyone wants to kind of, like, freak out usually when they get all the zones. But I love, like, it's like, okay, all the, they have all the zones. Let's not let them get a kill. And it, it, it always feels nice when you can... Like, there's even a medal for that. Nobody... It's everyone, survi- when everyone survives the hunt. Nobody dies while all three zones are captured by the enemy team. I love getting that medal. Well, like, it was funny because we ended up winning that match. And I don't think we had any hunts or anything like i think we only captured a few zones specifically it it was weird but it was like i felt like a badass (laughs) way to do it man um and then my second shout out ishtar collective always thanks to them i have the show notes for the next four weeks already done up yes he knew what book we were doing and he got it on, got on it. So we have another long one, guys. That's my shout out. Shout out to our listeners for their patience and their investments into a topic. The fact that they love the Mars Cena so much that we, they want us to continue doing like this. I think that says a lot that uh, they'll listen through four parts of us ramble about the same topic. So yeah, yeah. And shout then out to, to our listeners. Us. Ramble more know. on the same topic, just with a different book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as you saw, this one ended. You don't know what happened, so it it picks up right from there. So they they really made these a two parter. They're divided between their life in the distributary and that out. Now we're about to get life on the How outside. How long is the Awoken of the Reef? About the uh, it is twenty three entries. Oh no! So another like four weeks. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> Yep, yep. All right. Hang in there, guys, as we go through it with you. And then after, maybe we'll throw up another poll for uh, one of the new books. Yeah. I think I'll be ready for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you guys are bursting at the seams. So. I so want to do Ecdysis. <laughs> Ecdysis. Like everybody I must say, we should do Dust first. For Ecdysis, but Ecdysis, you guys. So I swear they, they have look like out a for that specific order. It just fits so nicely. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a good one. All right, that one of the so, best. all right, they're all they're all good. Yeah, we are at two fifty five of raw recording, and so we will. No, not even raw recording. Just our call. So I don't even know what we're at with raw recording. So hopefully this won't be too rough on y'all. Um, <laughs> but thanks for listening with us thus far. We look forward to starting the uh, new book and the new four-part series next week. And with that, bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. Bye, guys. <laughs> Goodbye. Next, the fallen paladin and the hunter chose long guns and went out into the moon. Already screwing up. <laughs> the ancient interceptor had awful firing control. Sorry, right, it's not that big a deal. It just seems like it because we haven't messed up yet. Right? <laughs> we'll be there. <laughs> and I don't remember how we get it. 
You guys are supposed to know all, especially you, Elemist. It's just a legend. So I hold you guys to a very high standard, okay? I need to know how I get this ship. Well, it's or got the Forsaken symbol, so it would have dropped in Forsaken, so it probably had something related to Dreaming City. Objective. What? That's what I assumed, but... That perceptiveness. <clears throat> I like to point out, you guys, I still have my literal pin in my mouse pad over here. I made you guys... I told you I was putting a pin in the conversation when you guys were talking about new lore, I think. A couple episodes ago. It's literally... It's still right here. That, that was ridiculous. Dun, dun, dun. That, season, no, that was season four. That would have been season four. Yep. Almost here. Oh, Airmine Tact. Yeah, I have the Airmine Tact. It says arrives in zero minutes, but... Like, calm down. He still has to make, like, two more turns. Maybe you should just, like, walk to the door and just, like, stand there creepily with the door open. You mean like up. I normally do? <laughs> no, but, like, open the door and, like, stare at him as he walks up our stairs. Like, you've been waiting. Jeez, that is creepy. Especially if I said it like that. His name is... Or her, actually. I don't know. I'm gonna go with that's a her. Elmish is being very Body. creepy right now. <laughs> I can see that. So close, so close. Problem is, like, they get here, but then you gotta wait for them to go up the three flights of stairs, so it's still I could have read, and you could have grabbed the food. Man. Well, I didn't know how the dogs were gonna act. I didn't need a bunch of barking in the background. I thought yeah. this would be just a little bit safer. Just messing with you. Yeah, yeah. She's well, calmed down now. It's so sad. She's well, and even dogs. then, like, she's gotta pay attention. She's gotta write notes. True. Yeah, exactly. On my Amazon basic notepad with my pink breast cancer G2 pen. Pilot G2. We want sponsorship. We have to say it right. Yeah, sorry. Pilot G207. It officially says on the... See, I, I got your back. Elmas gets me, man. He just does. Yeah, see, Elmas gets me. That's why Elmas isn't allowed to hang out with Sean. Because... I can't have him tainted by Sean. <laughs> Just kidding. Tainted by Sean. I'm just going to sit here and like stare. See if they see me sitting here really, really weird with a headset on. A dog in my lap. All right. Food set up. I will eat it after I read. All right, all right, all right. Let's do it. All right. Are we ready to get back? On the field. Oh my gosh. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. They see the stars of her observation. <laughs> A knot in time. Oop, nope, that's wrong. A knot in space time that orbits. We are a swift eddy in a slow river. It's an Eddie. Oh, you're, it's natural. Right, it's Edie's ice cream, so. Okay. Well, usually ask a word to pronounce them. I actually know that one. No, I, no I, I was confused. I was just going with the one version I know of that word. Leave it to ice cream. Always. Mara drinks her tea in delicate. Delicate? Didn't I have that same issue like last episode? What, the word delicate? I don't remember. Yeah. 
He's like, deli? Deli? Sandwich? Oh, oh I could use a sandwich. I should okay. go to the deli. You're only reading, <clears throat> You're only reading three of these today, right? <laughs> right. There are an uncountable number of ways to be between zero and one. That's oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I found that really funny. <laughs> I'm not wrong, though. There are an uncountable weight. What the? F you can do it. You're really distracting there, Miss. <laughs> You've been distracting me this whole card. <laughs> okay, <laughs> give me a second. I needed Cali. I know, but I just couldn't focus. Okay. I don't remember what I was answering. Give me a second. You're talking about the difference between the intro and the outro. Well, I text you, touch it up, focus. We're almost done. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> I'm focused. Apparently, I'm just distracting you.